on the house for every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Oh, we're in trouble this hour. We have no one listening to the show. Why do you say that? After that last hour, they're all out in the yard oh. gilding <laughs> their yard. Holy cow, what a power-packed <laughs> information hour. Woo! There's nobody listening to the radio right now, but if you are, you're listening to Rosie on the House, where we're here this hour to answer any question you might have about your house, home, castle, or cabin. I'm Rosie. My son, Romy, is sitting off to the right. He controls all the important budget buttons and gadgets in the broadcast studio. My wife, sweet Jennifer, is in the phone booth, and she'll take your call at one 767 4348 Get your name, where in Arizona you're calling from, what your question is, and we'll do the best we can to put our 56 years of building and remodeling Arizona homes to work for you for free. We'll give you tips and tricks of the trade and brand names of products that we've come to trust and depend on with longevity in the great state of Arizona. And then we've got, of course, our production engineer, Mr. Gary D, making sure everything about the satellite beam is focused just exactly down on your home. My voice is leaving the studio Basically, it's 16th Street in Glendale, going to a satellite traveling 26,000 miles above the Earth and redirected into your house. And you know how long that takes? Two seconds. Two seconds, Two seconds for my voice to travel 52,000 miles. <laughs> wow. Woo. Okay. So, one of the ways that we work to become your best friend is we make our information available in a multiple uh, selection of ways. One of them is our website, rosieonthehouse.com. That website has the answer to every question we've ever been asked in the 36 years that we've done this radio show. So that website is like an encyclopedia of Arizona homeownership. It's there for you for free, 24-7. Then, if you're on the website and you want to become a Rosie on the House insider, you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, and we will hit into your email box every Thursday a newsletter about what we're going to cover on this particular Saturday's broadcast. Gives you kind of a tip-off of uh, the topics we'll be talking about. You can uh, kind of kind of set a reminder, oh, that's one I want to catch, or you may know a neighbor that's doing something, and uh, it pertains to that, and you can give them a tip-off, or you've got a new neighbor who's new to Arizona that needs this kind of information, and you can give them a call and say, make sure you tune in to Rosie on the House at 8 o'clock. So those are all the things we do, and in our newsletter this week, we talk about simple do-it-yourself projects that you can tackle in a weekend that can make a huge difference in the feel of a room. And I want to talk you through one dimension of that right now. You walk into 99.9% of the homes in Arizona, 
regardless when they were built, the 50s, 60s, all the way up until last year. The interior wall surface is going to be drywall. And the windows are going to be aluminum frame. And the windows are set to the outside of the wall. And as the drywall surface comes up to that window opening, there's a piece of corner bead, and the drywall wraps back to the window. It's a drywall-wrapped window opening. 99.9% of every window in every Arizona home looks exactly the same, and it's boring as heck. (laughs) Which is why I say the next house I build. No drop. No drywall. I'm gonna be very anxious to see. What I don't know what. Probably, okay, all right. Well, I don't you, know what, but that's I. I just in, to show there's alternatives. I'm gonna find it. Inquiring minds will want to know what it is you pick. A nice beadboard paneling would look good. I think it'll be a variety. Okay, all right. A variety of options. There won't be one one silver bullet on that one. So let me talk through what we can do with that horribly, tremendously boring window opening. So what I want you to do is take a tape measure and that window, because it's a bedroom, is of a particular size that lets you crawl in and out of the bedroom in case of a fire. We call that an egress window. You can open the window, punch the screen out, and crawl out to safety should that be your only uh, route of escape in a house fire. Fire department demands it. Uh, It's a building code requirement. You can't have a bedroom without egress. So you've got that window. Now let's dress it up a little bit. I want you to take your tape measure and I want you to measure from the inside of the drywall wrap to the inside of the drywall wrap. And if that's a 4030 window, you're going to be somewhere with the drywall between 46 and 47 and a half inches. Okay. Now, I want you to divide that by two, and on the bottom corner bead, I want you to put a little crow's foot mark exactly at the center of that opening, okay? Then I want you to run down to the hardware store, and I want you to pick up uh, an eight-foot piece of MDF primed shelving with a bullnose front edge, and I want you to bring that home, and I want you to mark the center of that board. And I want you to put the center of that crow's foot on the center of that board marking as you're holding it up to the window. And I want you to ask your wife, hold this right here perfectly. Then you're going to measure from the outside edges of the corner corner bead wrap. You're going to measure four inches past the window on each side. So the board you're going to cut is eight inches wider than the window is. Okay. So you've ordered this shelving because you wanted the pre-formed bullnose edge on the front so you didn't have to buy a router and do all that. It's already there. But they don't make it in the width you need it. You probably had to buy it at 11 or 12 inches thick. So you cut it to length, and then you cut it the width of the drywall plus another inch and a half. So if you've got two and three quarters, let's just say you have three inches from the outside of the sheetrock to the window frame, cut this five inches wide, eight inches bigger than the opening, okay? Now you go back and take this cut board with the bullnose facing out, put it up against the wall, 
and determine how big of ears you have to cut out of each corner to fit around the drywall wrap. Once you cut those ears out of both sides, then you set this board flat on the windowsill and slide it back in place. And now you've created a fixed windowsill. Once you do that, you can go to any, virtually any website, any Ace Hardware store, and you can buy fluted window casing with a rosette. You don't even need to learn how to cut miters. And then you take the fluted casing and you put it on top of that little windowsill you've got now on the outside of the window with two rosettes up at the upper corner and then the fluted across the header. You paint that up and just in an afternoon of pre-manufactured materials and all you need is a saw and a, 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 a pin nailer would be handy, but you can do it with an, uh, a hammer and uh, six and eight penny finished nails with a nail set. You can do it manually as well. But just dressing up that one boring one, you know, you're going to get that done. I'm going to warn you. You're going to get that done. Then you're going to get in there and you're going to paint it. And you're going to say, oh, that looks so nice. But that baseboard is now the second most boring thing in the entire room. So then we're going to rip that baseboard out. And we're going to go and we're going to go ahead and get the MDF primed. Three and a half, four, four and a half, five inch baseboard, depending on the size of the room. And you can install that if you if you look up the word plinth, P-L-I-N-T-H, plinth blocks. You can install baseboard again without knowing all the trim carpentry tricks of how to do an inside miter and an outside radius. You can do it all with plinth blocks and you can actually replace the entire baseboard in a room and never have to make a miter cut. You just square cut everything to fit and you order the pieces long enough so you don't have to make a mid-wall span splice over. Everything's full. So now you've got the You've got the windowsill in place with the rosettes and the fluted casing. You've got the baseboard in. At that point, you've probably already fluted the inside of the door casing with rosettes on the door as well. You walk in the room and you say, you know, it just needs one more thing. Let's put a chair rail right about that, that uh, windowsill height. And let's wallpaper the bottom and change the color of the top. You've turned... A 99.9% boring Arizona bedroom into like an early, late 19th century Victorian parlor or the beginnings of an awesome library or a family sitting room. You furnish that appropriately and correctly and uh, you've literally changed the feel of that one room. And now you're going to be cussing me for six months while you do it to the next room and the next room and the next room. Arizona, you don't have to live with those boring aluminum frame windows, drywall wrap corner bead window openings. They can be made a lot more fun, a lot more beautiful than that. We've got calls coming in. We're going to go on a quick break right now, but we are going to come back and we're going to be answering your questions. Now would be a great time while we're on commercial break for you to make the phone call and let us know what your question is. 
one 767 When we get back, we'll be talking about more simple do-it-yourself projects that you can tackle yourself in, about, and around your house, home, castle, or cabin right here at Rosie on the House. All home projects you can do yourself is our topic for this 9 o'clock hour or all-in-the-house hour. We spend the hour on something specifically related to your home, castle, or cabin. We have a great lineup coming in February of guests and tradesmen that will be joining us, including, uh, you know, just last, what was it, the 13th? Uh, Done right, window and doors, had a new showroom opening. That's right. Kind of on the... Phoenix, Scottsdale border right there on Tatum and Thunderbird. Well, the end of February on the 24th, Omni Pool Builders in Tucson has a new showroom. So we'll be there for that cool. uh, grand opening as well. A lot of, you know, so it's good to good to see that. So we'll be looking forward to that. But right now, uh, Wendy has joined the conversation at one 767 4348 That's one 888 rosie for you and wants to talk about uh, Stone Veneer. Good morning and welcome to the program. How can we help? Um, well, I've collected a lot of that stone veneer from um, new build sites, um, you know, in their, just in their pile of uh, discards. And I have tons of it. And I was wondering if you had any idea what could be done with that besides putting it on the outside of houses, like what they're using it for in the new builds. Like to, to do on your own home? Like projects around your house? Yeah, well, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, projects around the house. Wendy, it it's it's a veneer. It's not structural. It it's got to be put onto some existing wall. It's not like you can build a planter with it unless you lay it flat and dry stack it, I guess. But what you're accumulating is made to only be glued in a specific manner with a specific technique to the outside of a wall. So I think she she knows that. So, like, was there any application in your house? Like, we have those columns. I've always thought it'd be pretty to wrap them in. Oh, you can in, you can veneer. veneer it over the top of anything if you want. I would guess. Yeah. And inside, you don't have to worry about waterproofing and vaporproofing and all that. How, where do you get the? Go ahead, Wendy. Um, well, I, I did build some planters outside with it, and and I and I I used just the caliche as the mortar, I guess around some trees and um, on my property. Okay. And that came out pretty well until, okay. until the dogs got to it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, um, and, and that's the dilemma. I mean, you can take that stone and turn it flat and lay it up in layers horizontally like you did with the caliche or mortar would, might, might be a more permanent solution and dry stack it to, to make it look like a, a kind of like a flagstone layered um, retaining wall. But like I say, the, the what you're rounding up from the construction sites is made to be a surface-applied veneer product. So let your imagination run wild. Anything you want to cover up with stone-looking veneer, have at it. It's yeah, a like- little bit tricky on the outside. You got some uh, vapor barrier and some moisture proofing to do to make sure you're not trapping moisture inside your wall. But other than that. And like Jennifer said, you know, accents, the different columns inside your home or a specific wall if you've got a fireplace. Um, 
you know. How about like even a wainscot in a in a sure. you know in a, on a wall, or maybe a small small portion of a wall even for accent. Um, that'd be kind of cool. Let your imagination run wild. All right. You can. Do, would you on the inside on drywall? Would you just use glue? Rose? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Liquid nail, baby. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I've used liquid nail before. It never sounded like that. <laughs> You're not putting it on thick enough. <laughs> we were talking in the first segment about simple do-it-yourself projects. And, and what Wendy calls about is the veneer stone. I mean, Easy Brick was one that came out, uh, I don't know, back in the 90s, I think, you know, that you could apply anywhere and make a drywall fireplace look like a brick fireplace and it was applied a lot inside and so those are the kind of do-it-yourself projects you can tackle yourself when we were talking in the earlier segment about how to take those boring drywall wrap window openings and dress them up a little bit one of the things i touched on is baseboard people get scared of putting baseboard down because they don't have a miter box and, um, or they have radius bullnose corners. Now, generally speaking, in a bedroom, you're not dealing with very many outside corners. You're just dealing with inside, and all those are 90 degree. So what you can do is you can take a plinth block and set it down inside all those corners. And it establishes a finish point for your baseboard. Uh, think colonial. Keep Think Victorian um, architectural style. Now, in the exterior bullnose drywall, they make one-piece trim pieces that you cut to fit, that fit that so you don't have to miter the baseboard all the way around the corner. Now, you can, uh, what we insist when we're trimming a house out, is the trim carpenter is actually going to set his miter box at 22 and a half, and he's going to cut little pie-shaped slivers of the baseboard, going to glue it all together. Once the glue is dry, then he's going to sand it, and then he's going to put it in place so that that baseboard looks like it grew around that bullnose. And you see no seams, and you wonder, how'd they do that? Well, it takes a lot of work and a little bit of trim carpentry experience. But you can do it with a plinth block. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight. Rosie, for you to join the conversation, text questions can also be sent to four one one nine two three. And and this hour, our on the house hour, we're talking about things you can do on your home uh, on weekends, little small projects that can make a big difference. And you were talking about dressing up the windowsill uh, in the first segment. Yeah. Mentioned baseboard. What was that product you were saying for baseboard? Plinth block. Plinth block. I've P- never P L I N T H. Hmm. Plinth block. I've never played around with that. And you've and well, it keeps you. You've run plenty of baseboard. You know that inside miter cut that you have to make, and then you've got a coping saw that you've got to take out the backside of your open face my uh, open grain miter, and then get it to blend perfectly. A lot of people go to their inside corners, and they take both pieces of of a baseboard and they cut an inside 45 and an inside 45 and there's no wall in the world it's perfectly 90 degrees so now you got to put a liquid caulk miter in there to make it look good well the way you cheat that 
is a very specific trim carpentry method of you run your first baseboard butt cut to the opposing wall. Then the next piece, as you come around the corner, actually gets an open face miter cut where you can see the grain of the miter in the baseboard. And you put that on a sawhorse with a coping saw and you back cut all of that off. Then you slide that in place. It's a little tricky, but a plinth block allows you to eliminate all that learning curve. You simply cut the plinth block. It's generally a half to one inch taller than the baseboard. It goes in place, fills the inside corner with a little, just a square block, and then both pieces of baseboard are cut 90 degrees flush right to that point, and it trims it out very good. And they actually make those, like I was talking about, for outside radiuses of radius drywall as well. So you don't have to 22 and a half, 22 and a half, 22 and a half. Trying to baseboard outside bullnose drywall uh, takes some practice. <laughs> let me let me just say that. So you would take these exterior radius plinth blocks that are pre-made to fit on that corner bead, and again, you cut them depending if your baseboard is two and a half or three, three and a half inches long. You cut them a little bit taller than the baseboard itself to make it look like a finished statement, and then you butt cut the baseboard right to that and it's much much simpler for the homeowner to go through a project like that and get her all done beautiful handsome and attractive you know one of the other things roaming that you can do uh so so this is all trim carpentry stuff we've been talking about in the first half hour how about just changing the color of a room or changing the color of one wall in a room or two walls accent color and i tell you what that Sherwin Williams app that you put in your phone is like Color Snap. Is it is like the most fun app? Uh, absolutely, one of the most fun apps you you could ever. You actually take a picture of the wall, and then Sherwin Williams will let you import any color from their color deck onto that wall, and you can see a picture of what it's going to look like before you even go down to the Sherwin-Williams store and start asking for paint samples. Well, and two, we had, when we had Sherwin-Williams on, they also now have uh, bigger swatches that you can purchase. So you narrow it down with that app. But then yes. the app can't take into account the lighting in the room, you know, different times of day and all that. So you still need to try it on your wall. They have the big swatches you can stick on, or they'll now sell uh, little quartz, and I think um, they're like 8 bucks or 9 bucks. So for... That would save you a whole lot of grief if you painted, you know, like someone I know, who <laughs> one time painted a bedroom at night <laughs> based on a paint chip <laughs> and woke up in the morning and was like, I don't like this. Guilty. So, <laughs> so, I was trying to surprise you. I know. It was so sweet. Yeah, was, so I never a, complained. It was sure a surprise, complained. wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's great ways to, to work your way through to that color because you might get it on there and decide, well, that really wasn't what I was thinking. And different colors can be really hard to match, you know, like greens and blues and reds. Those are really, really hard to match. So, And there are tips on our website on ways to uh, make the painting easier to get done as well as more professional looking once finished. Uh, those all live on our website as well as on our YouTube channel. 
where we actually have our professional painters from the from the Rosie Wright Referral Network, the Rosie on the House Referral Network, here in studio, and we're talking to them about how do we help homeowners learn how to prepare the paint job, apply the paint job, clean up after the paint job. And that's all in video segments we've got loaded up. We do, and we actually had somebody comment like, because uh, we take the broadcast and on the video side, we just break it into specific talking points. Learn how to do this, learn how to do that. So if somebody's searching how to clean a paintbrush, how to store paint, you know, those specific videos. So it's not like you have to watch this 13-minute <laughs> segment or this 40, you know, two-minute hour video and find that meat in the middle. You know, it's just taken out and dissected. Uh, so that, and then it's in a playlist. So if you wanted to learn all about painting, you can just let it scroll through all, you know, I think there's 19 segments we got out of that hour. Um, so that, that's how it's designed. And somebody's like, why don't you put these on the shorts? Well, I am What's not a that? YouTube expert What's yet. What's the shorts? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> but I can't find a playlist in it. Oh. And so that's why I use the regular is because you can have playlists with it. So it organizes it for us a lot better for long term. So it's, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm sure change well, and modify yes. and adjust and learn as we as we go. That's that's usually how I do things. Kind of learn as you go. I'll figure it out when I get there. So if we got somebody interested in seeing those, how would they find them? Well, there's a couple ways you can do it. If you go to our website and go to rosieonthehouse.com, homeowner resources radio podcast. And then in the search button, type in painting or just paint, um, and you will see the broadcast from when Arizona Paint Company was in studio on September 16th. And then just click on that, and inside you can get, you know, we've got the video uh, playlist there. Or if you're familiar with YouTube, you can just go to our channel on YouTube. And then go to playlist and select the playlist you want. We've got night lighting, we've got painting, we've got electrical, we've got plumbing, you know, and uh and while you're on if you land on the Rosie on Nash YouTube channel, go ahead and subscribe to it. And then every time we cut a new video, you'll be notified. Hey, we've got something new to watch. Well, I think that's what that guy was complaining about. He's like, because oh. if, if we get like 19, 20, you know, 26 videos out of one, bing, 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 bing. It all hit at one time, but oh. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and do one video from that hour a day. Well, I, I like it because it cuts out our middleman, Gary. Because <laughs> I'll somebody will call and say, hey, I don't know how many weeks ago, maybe three or four or five. And the topic was something like, and they sounded like this. And I'm like, I have no idea. Gary. <laughs> and Gary puts the Rolodex to work. And within a minute or two, he's got it for me. So it saves Gary a lot of brain time, too. All right. So that's one of the ways that we're trying to help you. Let's cover the last thing that we talk about in our article of do-it-yourself projects around the house. And it's a topic of caulking. Romy, I want, there's, there's, there's generally two methods of caulking. Are you a puller or a pusher? Um, well, I guess it depends on it? what angle I'm trying to uh, work. But generally speaking, I'm a puller. I am too. If I'm in a situation where I have to push it, I generally just squirt a whole bunch on my finger and squirt. <laughs> <laughs> I just reach in there with my finger. Cause I can't push 
a finished caulk bead to save my life. I don't, I don't know what it is that, that makes a challenge for me, but I have, I have to pull. A couple tips and tricks on caulking. And if, if, you're, if you want to practice on caulking, I would tell you to do this. Go around the outside of your house and take off every electric trim plate cover. If there's a GFI receptacle there with a trim plate cover, take the two screws and take it off. If there's a, a switch box, a, maybe a single gang or double or triple gang box, take the trim plate off. And you're going to see between the electrical box and the siding of your house, probably stucco, there is a crack. And if you'll stand there in the middle of the summer when it's 112 outside, 115 outside, and you're trying to air condition your house to 76 or 78, you can actually put your hand at that location and feel the cold air leaving your house. So a great place to practice caulking is sealing up all those electric boxes on the outside of your house. No one's ever going to see what you do because as soon as you apply that caulk, sealing the junction box, the electrical junction box to the outside siding of your house, you're going to let that caulk dry and then you're going to put the trim plate back on. So that's the perfect place to perfect your caulking technique. The first couple of them will look pretty ugly have a little small bucket of water and a sponge and be prepared very carefully to just kind of wipe it off and wipe it clean those if you haven't killed the breaker switch all those wires are hot and and alive so be very careful of that and then let the caulk dry and put all of those plates back on if you do that all the way around the outside of an average size Arizona stucco home three bedroom two bath home in the middle of the summer, you have done that. Would you ever leave a window open in August? Well, that's exactly what you've got if you haven't caulk sealed all those electric boxes. And you shouldn't see a whole lot of caulking when you're done. That you shouldn't. When you put the trim plate back on, you shouldn't see any. That's why it's a perfect place to practice your caulking technique, whether you are a pusher or a puller. Text question wants to know, what's the purpose of baseboard other than collecting (laughs) dust? Is there another option? So the purpose of the baseboard is really just your transition. Because if you had carpet, if you had tile, if you had wood, when it meets that wall, there's usually a little space in between, especially when you've got tile or uh, carpet. You know, you've got that trim plate that goes around the carpet that holds it to the edge. It it completes that transition from one material to another, like uh, like easily does. and inexpensively. Yeah. Yes. Uh, sometimes you do see if some uh, a tile uh, floor they they will use the tile yes. as the baseboard. Uh, occasionally, you'll see. Um, you know, a, a, a good wood floor. It can be cut so you don't need the baseboard. It can go right up to it. But if it's floating, it 
you can't put it all the way against tight to the wall, so you need that extra piece of baseboard on top of it. Are there alternatives? You know, uh, we were, I was talking about how you know my next house isn't going to have any drywall, but what I did with the drywall on the last one is mudded it all the way to the floor. Now the floor was concrete, decorative concrete coating, so it wasn't like there was another flooring material on top of it. So that drywall to the ground and the uh, to the concrete surface it it didn't need any baseboarding um and, and very it, clean it, and it was very, very clean very you know, clean look what about mopping though like so you have a tile floor and then con- uh then you wanted to wet mop i mean drywall would show that much more than the than the nice enamel paint on ba- the baseboard. baseboard baseboard how does? messy of a mop you're a mopper are you? <laughs> Baseboard, baseboard is that's that a secondary <laughs> secondary purpose of baseboard is to keep the walls from being dinged up from mops and and and, and Vacuum. vacuums and and shoes and whatnot. But for the look of baseboardless room, I think it's worth it. But if you if you know um, if your house was conventionally built, the bottom of the sheetrock is probably a half to three quarters of an inch above the floor. So if you take it off, you might be surprised. Oh, you you so you got to go all the way around the house and fill that little three quarter inch gap in a way that it doesn't look like you went all the way around the house and filled that little three quarter inch gap. So it, uh, in Romy's house, building it from scratch, you take your first uh, sheet of sheetrock and you put it up tight to the ceiling. Then the second sheet of sheetrock we would generally put against the wall and lift it up, so it's that three quarters of an inch off the floor. But when you know you don't want baseboard and you're building the house or remodeling the house from scratch, then that next sheet of sheetrock, you lay it straight down on the floor. Then that leaves you a gap at four foot high in the room of about a half to three quarters of an inch. Well, then you go ahead and cut a ripper, put that in there and float it over. And that's a much cleaner, easier way to prepare a room to be baseboardless. What's a ripper? Uh, just a section. A, yeah, just a, a half, okay. a three-quarter inch wide piece of sheetrock. So put it in there and fill and the gap. And then, then your, then your, your, your mid-span, your, your four-foot joint. Now you're not doing it with a six and eight-inch knife. Now you're doing it with a twelve-inch knife. <laughs> and I did nine-foot walls, so ours yes. was you know a, a twelve, a big ripper. almost almost a thirteen-inch ripper in the yeah. middle. It's a, it's a very sharp. Sharp look, but baseboard. Uh, it, the reason baseboard kind of ends real pointed at top is so it it doesn't collect. <laughs> but but if you've got any kind of a depth to your baseboard or any kind of the colonial heavy pieces, they're they're dust collectors. And that extra foot's kind of a pain because everything's designed to go you know eight foot tall. So you've got that you know all your Everything has to be, you know, a foot taller. But I tell you what, that makes a house feel a whole lot bigger, it that did. extra yes, foot it higher. It, it, I, it I don't know it. what it does, but it, it tricks your mind. It's like this. And then with the, in the main living area, this, we vaulted the ceilings. And so, I mean, that makes it feel even, even bigger. Yeah. Super nice. So, yes, there are and, alternatives to baseboard. And it seems a lot more light in that way, too. Yeah. You know, when you've got that low eight-foot ceiling, it feels... Uh, kind of cave-like sometimes. You, just, yeah. you, you don't know it till you're in a house right. with a higher <laughs> ceiling and you think, oh, I don't know if I can go back to an eight-foot ceiling. All right. Let me uh, – can I just catch the ear of any of you that are listening that are in 
the building residential remodeling business. I know we have a lot of people listening um, that are designers, uh, they're superintendents, they're carpenters. Um, I'd, li- I'd like to catch y'all's ear for a minute. Or maybe you know someone that's in the residential remodeling world. Um, let me catch your ear. At Rosie Wright Design Bill, uh, we're growing. And we're interviewing engineer interns from ASU. We're interviewing designers for kitchen and bath remodels. We're interviewing, we desperately need superintendents. But before you apply, I want you to go to our website, rosywright.com, Click on testimonials and see the 100% refer and we'll use again survey. If you ain't good enough to make that, don't bother applying. But if you are, we'd love to hear from you at rosywright.com.